Hey guys, this is Jared Causey, and you're listening to Causey's Conversations. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Causey's Conversations. I'm your host, Jared Causey. Thank you for joining uh, me again uh, on this episode of Causey's Conversations. I hope you are doing well. Uh, on this episode today, I have uh, a family member actually that's joining me, a family member uh, that I've been close with my entire life. Uh, his name is Jeff Johnson. He is my uncle, so that that would be my mom's brother. So uh, right. Jeff Johnson right. is here. Uh, uncle Jeff, I'll, I'll call you Uncle Jeff just for all time today. <laughs> Thank you for that's joining awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. It's been, we've been talking about it for a while, trying to get something going. So yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for the invitation. It's an honor to be on Causey's Conversations. Yeah, there you go. I'm surprised you don't have you a podcast. I mean, I don't yeah. know you don't have one of these. I'm just going to leave it up to you young guys to, <laughs> to talk about it all. I'll just listen. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> mm, I'll just listen. Yeah. So, I mean, we've known each other, obviously, we've known each other my entire life, uh, you know, uh, dude, I remember the day you were born like it was yesterday. You were born in 1992, weren't you? 93. 93. Yeah. 1993. I was a student at Louisiana College and I was sitting in uh, a family, a family's house that I was house sitting for uh, when your mom went into labor and had you. And I remember it when they called and said, well, he's here. You know, yep. I remember the day. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the day, but you know, I <laughs> yeah. a wonderful time, <laughs> especially yeah. for my mom. <laughs> it's a good thing you made it. Yeah, yeah. Thank the Lord. Yeah, yeah for everybody. It's a good thing you made it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, we, I don't know, it's kind of hard to compare and contrast uh, childhoods, but I know we kind of, you know, you grew up in a child, uh, Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home. So we have a similar background. We both yeah. have been in ministry, but tell me, a little bit about your, you know, where you come from, where you've lived and, and how you came to know Christ, stuff like that. What, what was your childhood like and your journey uh, leading up through uh, your teenage years? Man, it was a very traditional Southern Baptist journey. Uh, you know, I could tell you all the puns and the jokes and the like being drugged to church and things like that, but having a drug problem, I was drugged to church, but you know, my, my dad was a pastor and still is my mom uh, was the pianist in every church he went to and still is. And uh, we lived in Arizona cause he and she had moved out there and we're going to tame the West and uh, live there until I was a year old, moved to Fort Worth until I was four, moved to Houston uh, till I was six, moved to Westlake till I was uh, in the third grade, so that was 83, so nine, uh, moved to um, moved to Eugene, Oregon, uh, and stayed there till I was in the sixth grade, so that was 86, yeah, so uh, like 12 or 13, and then uh, moved back to Longville, just south of DeRitter, Louisiana, in a little small town, till I was, uh, till I graduated high school, and then I went to Louisiana College for a year. They moved to Morgan City. Um, you know, just kind of moved around a lot and made a lot of right. interesting connections. And uh, But it was all church-related. It was all calling where the God was uh, moving him and her and doing the work of the ministry. So along the way, it was just, you know, you find your niche in all of this. And Christ, it was Christ-centered, others-focused all the time. 
And uh, so we, we did a lot for a lot of people. I've got a lot of great memories. I've run into people today that I met when I was growing up uh, that, you know, uh, we're, we're in my dad's church. And they, the first question they asked me is how's, how's brother Johnny? How's right. Miss Linda? You know, um, somewhere along the, the way I had a lot of, um, Sunday school teachers, a lot of RA instructors, Royal ambassadors, uh, was the group when I was a little kid and, uh, just a lot of people that poured into me over time. And, um, man, when I was in the, I don't know, second grade, I was just not doing things right. I was just chaotic and crazy. And, but God was working on me. And I got home one night and my mom's like, Hey dude, you're, you're messed up kids in the neighborhood. At, even at in second grade, we're like, man, this kid's wild. <laughs> uh, you know, no, I'm laughing my mom, yeah. No, it was true, man. And my mom just said, look, you know, if you don't know Jesus, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. And I was like, oh, I ain't doing that. You know, a second graders uh, imagination. So I didn't want to go to hell. Uh, so, you know, I prayed to receive Christ and, and believed that it was authentic and genuine. Uh, and it, I, I knew every bit of him that I could know at that age. Uh, back up when I was in uh, kindergarten, we were in Houston and uh, there's this guy named Chet. Uh, Mackie, who was a Texas A&M student, and he 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 came to know the Lord, and uh, man, I was just enamored with him. He was in my dad's church, and he got baptized, so I wanted to get baptized. And essentially, it just meant I, I wanted to get in the water. You know, I was like that little kid that just jumped into the water. Right. Uh, so I didn't know much about it then, but when I was in the second grade, you know, I started to kind of know, and then. You know, at Dry Creek, when I was 14, uh, God just really spoke to my heart again. And so I, I believe that your salvation is a journey. I, I believe that it's by grace you're saved through faith. But I didn't know the things that I could know at an early age. I just knew that, that Jesus loved me, that without him, I was a sinner, that I needed him into my heart. And um, so I... I I gave my heart to him at a young age and, and then just continued to find out what that meant later. Um, so at 14, I, you know, I remember a, a night at dry Creek Baptist camp where, you know, I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid of thunderstorms. I, I just had a lot of fears in my life and, and I, I'm sure that's pretty normal, but at that point it was just like, God, I, I don't want to be afraid of everything anymore. And, and I need to know where peace comes from. So, he just spoke to my heart one night at dry Creek. And, you know, I just look at little milestones like that along the way where my Ebenezer's, I can go back and, and look at those monuments and remember the days that, that he brought me through things and taught me stuff. And so moving forward, when I was, um, when I graduated from high school, I moved to, uh, I went to Louisiana college. My parents moved to Morgan city and I, I went there, um, did I finished my uh, freshman year with a 1.8 GPA? That's uh, <laughs> knocked it out, man. I was a scholar. I was a scholar. <laughs> taking it after uh, uh, your mom, my grandmother. Um, yeah, no, definitely not. She's a 4.0 student. But yeah. man, I did. I did learn how to smoke cigars, and uh, <laughs> I, I learned how to play golf, and I learned how to uh, not study and 
And uh, so then I ended up moving home after that, that, that year and spent a summer in the oil field and Morgan city, Louisiana. And that's, that was my life lesson right there. And um, just pray God, if you'll get me out of this, I promise that I will, I will do, I will not make some of the same stupid mistakes that I've been making over and over. So I ended up at Louisiana tech and, uh, you know, got really plugged in with the church, became the, the, uh, the intern, uh, at temple Baptist church and just really focused on what it meant to serve and met my wife. And, mm-hmm. um, she, and I ended up graduating, moving home. She had a couple more years waited on her. Then we moved to Southwestern seminary and, started a journey in student ministry and it lasted a, a while. And, right. you know, it's just been when the, when God gets a hold of your heart, you don't have to have the testimony where you fell off and you went through drugs and right. alcoholism and pornography and gambling. And yeah, I mean, all those things at some point there, God, God is stronger than those things and he can keep people out of that stuff. And so my, my journey was that, yeah, he kept me from those things and, you know, and it was a, a great walk with him. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I made mistakes, but right. you know, I, I just knew that the Bible said, honor your father and mother. So your days will be long upon the earth. And I just wanted to, I didn't want to die. I wanted to do things the right way. And I knew my dad knew the right way. My mom knew the right way because they were preachers and who else knows the right way than a preacher and his wife. Yeah. So listen to them. And so I did. And, you know, um, you know, I'm not doing student ministry anymore. I'm doing, I, I run a nursing home, which is massive amounts of ministry. Right. I mean, I, I sit beside the bed of people that are dying all the time and I talk to families who are grieving and it's a chance to tell them that, that God is in charge of our life. And, and, you know, I, I get to minister to staff and, it's just a, a neat spot. So, yeah. you know, uh, life is, you know, ministry in the local church is kind of a new phenomenon, but ministry to people has been around since Jesus walked on the earth. Well, so, so going back to your, you know, your younger years, you know, what was your experience like growing up as a pastor's kid? I mean, were, were there challenges? Man, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was nuts. I mean, we learned, you know, that, that old adage that, you know, preacher's kids are the worst. We, yeah, you know, we, (laughs) we learned a lot, you know, we were pretty, I was going to live up to that, but it was always the deacon's kids that taught me how to, you know, what to do. I remember a deacon's kid taught me how to cuss when I was in kindergarten, (laughs) you know, I mean, I'm like, you know, saying words and my mom's like, where you learn that from? And I'm like, well, this kid over here and his daddy was a deacon and, you know, um, but, you know, church is where we learn to do everything. You know, these old country songs that talk about, you know, that's what I love about Sundays. I, that's what we, I mean, they're pretty real. We fought at church. We, you know, had girlfriends at church. We ate fried chicken at church. We, yeah. you know, we did those things. And, and growing up as a preacher's kid, people would tell me, well, you just think you're special because your dad's a preacher. And I'm like, no, I don't think I'm special because I beat you up. And <laughs> You know, so right. we would fight and, you know, but it was a pretty neat deal because I got to see a lot of the world. Right. And, you know, through ministry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've heard some stories about, uh, you know, growing you and from you and, and my mom and 
you know, my aunts there and uh, heard some fun yeah. stories uh, there. My favorite, well, this one doesn't really have much to do with you. I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe you're the one that caused this, but uh, <laughs> at First Baptist Church Longville, it's when yeah. Paul, uh, you know, turned on the baptistry the night before. Man. Kept it running. Was that, did you have something to do with it? <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with it, but I got yeah. to enjoy it. It was, yeah. that was amazing. <laughs> I mean, that was awesome. In fact, we, I was with your mom and dad at the, at the lake last weekend and Mimi and Papa were there and we got to telling that story, man. I, it was a Sunday morning it was Saturday night and dad had done some several ministry activities and was tired. And the guy who normally turned on the baptistry was out of town. So he went at six 30 and turned it on, went back to the house and laid down. And that was before uh, watches and cell phones that you could set a timer on. And he laid down and woke up the next morning at 6.30 and had left that water running all night. And he didn't come get me. But when I got up and walked to the house, my mom, Mimi, was laying on the couch in the fetal position. And I'm like, Mom, what's the matter? Because normally she's up cooking or working or whatever. And she just all she could say is, your dad's going to lose his job. You're going to fire your dad. I'm like, well, what did he do? Yeah. He said he left the baptistry on. Man, I ran out of the house across the yard when I got to the church. We lived in the parsonage. When I got to the church, dude, the water was squirting out the bottom of the door. Oh my and, goodness. And I ran around the corner and, and the water was still coming over the baptistry top. Oh Just as pretty as you can imagine. <laughs> you know. Oh, it was a it was an awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm sure. Uh, Mimi and Papa did not enjoy. No, that. they didn't. And you know that old deacon, the the chairman of deacons comes in, and Dad called him, and he shows up, and because I'm sure he wanted to see it too. And the guy was like, "Well, preacher, we've been needing to have a foot washing in this air church for a long time." <laughs> there you go. So, I, and I think they ended up just shampooing the carpet, and yeah, I mean it was good to go. Yeah, yeah. So you know, one thing I hear a lot from pastors' kids, you know, that, that are grown up now, you know, they'll typically say, well, you know, growing up as a pastor's kid, I, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I sinned. And when I sinned publicly, especially, you know, there was little grace that was given from the, the congregation. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that yourself or you, you kind of saw that yeah. in your, in your experience. What was that like? Yeah. So, you know, I knew we lived in a glass house. I knew what that meant early on. And uh, my dad and mom were, were wise enough to, when I got to be a teenager, he was pastor in a small country church and, and there was a few uh, teenagers around and there wasn't a whole lot of teenagers. And so I ended up plugging in at a different church. And when I plugged in at, at that different church, it was a good opportunity for me to just be a kid. Right. So uh, that was good. But yeah, we did live in a, in a glass house. We lived with a lot of, with a lot of, you know, scrutiny, a lot of people watching you and, uh, and, you know, you could either embrace that and, or you could, you know, rebel against it. And, and some kids did rebel against it. And right. I, I kind of enjoyed the connections that it gave me because I'm a relational guy. I, I like to know people. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a crutch, though. I think that can be a crutch for for kids, you know, yeah. especially ministry kids. Uh, you know, when God calls somebody in the ministry, he calls the whole family. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they, it can be a crutch whining and complaining about it. Or, or you can just 
realize that God has a calling on your life from a very early age and, and be obedient. But just because you, oh, obedience to Christ does not mean that you don't live a wild and fun lifestyle. I mean, there's all kinds of natural adrenaline rushes that you can get by doing things the right way. I mean, you can climb a mountain, you can hike, you can hunt a bear, you can fish, you can swim in a lake, you can, you can do a, a whole lot of things that give you an adrenaline rush other than, you know, just chasing sinful lust and desires. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's good. So, you know, growing up, you, you saw, you know, I'll call him. Paul, Paul, he's your dad, Johnny. Yeah. You yeah. saw him in ministry. You saw his experiences and some of them were, were hard. I know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just like any pastor. I mean, it sometimes ministry can be, you know, kind of feel like a, a horrible thing, but yeah. The other times it's like the greatest thing ever, you know, it's yeah. so much joy. And I'm sure you saw that, but yet you went into the ministry for a time. What, what I guess pushed you. I mean, obviously, I assume it was God that did that, but what, mm-hmm. guess what experiences led you to that point of like, yeah, I see the dirtiness of ministry here, but yeah, I'm still going to pursue it because I believe this is what God wants. Like, what was your process through that? Or did you have a process with that? You know, my dad would check me out of, uh, he would, he, so we lived in a little place called Longville, and he had to go visit people in the hospital in Lake Charles yeah, a lot of times. And, and so that was, Lake Charles was about 45 minutes from our house. And uh, he would check me, uh, we'd go eat lunch, but the first thing we, yeah. Oh, yeah. You there? You're, you're, uh, you're lagging out a little bit. Hold on one second. Let's try to get this cleared up. Before Is we- my connection bad? Um, maybe it might be, might be that, um, man, it's just, we're just kind of in a rural area. So, yeah, yeah. It's good now. I think, um, looks, looks better when you're, I can, when you're frozen in time there, I can, I know something's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Bad connection. The country. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I know that for my parents, my parents, they they talk about that all the time. Oh gosh, it's terrible. I think this yeah, is you you is it better? Yeah, definitely. So you you're saying that you're you would say uh, you said Papa would ch- check you so, out at school. So yeah, he would check me out. He'd have to go visit people in the hospital uh, about forty five minutes away from our house, and he would check me out of school. And we'd go eat lunch, but before we go eat lunch, or right after we'd eat lunch, um, he would take me to the hospital, and I would see people in in the hospital beds and. He taught me how to minister to people. Uh, he taught me how to to pray for people and to be connected to people. And so it just there, I grew up with a real compassion for other people. Right. And so, you know, when I, when I graduated from college, um, I had been an intern for a while and I, I mean, I really didn't have a plan. And so I kind of wondered a little bit. Um, and then when I got serious, um, got dialed in, it was, you know, where, where can you do the things that are your, your ministry gifts? And it was, you know, in the church and with students. So, you know, the doors open for me to do, I went to first Baptist church in Bridgeport and while I was in seminary and then we ended up moving to Ruston. Uh, then we went to, um, we went to Shreveport and then Houston and then came back to, to DeRitter 
you know. Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, it was just just following in my dad's footsteps, I guess. Right. So, you know, your, your, well, I guess let's go to your seminary experience. I and mean, you went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. You graduated. From I did. There. What years did you go to Southwestern? So I was there in uh, 99. And I think I graduated in 2003. 2003. So that was kind of the transitional period between Hemp Hill and Patterson. Is that correct? I was, I graduated Hemp Hills last year. In fact, uh, Hemp Hills wife graduated with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 She was a student and graduated with me. So, so what was your experience like at, at Southwestern? You know, I'm kind of curious. I, I haven't, we haven't really talked so a lot about it. Um, you know, I'm curious, like what was your experience through Southwestern and was it good? Was it, you know, uh, not the best questionable. What, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can hear you. Okay, sorry. Uh, I I'm running out of battery on my phone, so I had to transition. Is that audio good? Yeah, audio still good. Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I was doing full time ministry at, at First Baptist Church in Bridgeport my first year, and uh, and so I only went on Mondays, and uh, I went to school all day on Monday. And uh, that was a long day. And then Tuesday through, you know, the rest of the week, I was I was doing student ministry. Uh, so I, I didn't get to know a lot of the the full time guys, um, uh, but the guys that I went to school with on Mondays, we we got to be real close. Uh, seminary was great, man. It was I had some good professors, and I had some that you know I still remember their names, and I won't share on this podcast, but you know, maybe not so good. mistakes uh etbu as a kind of a satellite campus for a little while and then i did some stuff online uh at the end and graduated but it was similar it was great man the connections that i made there and i i never could have dreamed how even in the business that i'm in now running a nursing home how i learned how i use things that i learned in seminary i mean i can remember some of my first classes and and the professor's taking a family and marriage class and Gosh, that guy, he, he helped me stay married for 22 years. He taught me that uh, when you fight, you don't fight to win. You fight to find compromise. And I, they taught, you know, they taught a, a ratio of positives to negatives in a, in a marriage that, that keeps it positive. And I remember a lot of those things and still, still play on those things. So seminary was great. Right. Uh, the campus was beautiful, you know. Christy and I lived in Bridgeport and it gave us a chance to, to go into Fort Worth and we would go to different churches and, and made some great connections. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the study also and the, and the, the theology that I learned and yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduated from Southwestern, you uh, did all that and you quickly, you know, you were already doing youth ministry. So, and, and I have a little bit of experience in youth ministry and I'm still serving in, in certain capacities within student ministry, even today. Right. But what, you know, what was your experience like in, in student ministry in terms of, <laughs> you know, uh, was, did you have a lot of great opportunities to minister to students and do that? Well, did, or how, how do I phrase this question? I want to make sure I'm, I want to phrase it very, um, I guess a, a nuanced way. Uh, did, 
did you have a lot of experiences in youth ministry where you saw more, um, I guess, more play that kind of over um, shadowed the ministry the, or the discipleship that you could have done? Um, well, in- you, you know, I learned early on through uh, Doug Fields. Uh, I read and kind of bought into the purpose-driven student ministry. And one of the things that, that I learned from him is you were going to play with a lot of kids. You were going to disciple very few kids. But you had to get a lot of kids there. Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yep. You had to get a lot of kids kids in order to try to get them to a point where you could disciple them. So, yeah, it was a lot of play. Uh, It was a lot of, you know, do these big parties because the church wants to see you with uh, just a ton of numbers. The church wants to see you with, you know, um, 200, 250, 300 kids. And then you're competing against guys who are working in these bigger churches and they're having 500 kids come to their church. Well, you know, the church wants to see you get, get them there, but truthfully, you know, the the scriptures were real clear when it says that wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to salvation and fewer those that find it. And it was, it was a real balance trying to figure out who you could really invest in and who was just there for the pizza. Um, so setting a structure up where you could do that, but you know, students are the most unstable people group on the planet, teenagers, right? They don't know what they believe. They don't know who they believe It, it changes, you know, every day, their emotions change, their, their needs change, their, their, their drama changes. And, and so the tough part was getting parents to understand that there has to be some flexibility and not everything your kid says is is the truth and you have to give them a chance to figure out what is truth and you know a 15 16 year old kid doesn't know truth he has to be exposed to the truth and then takes that on uh but it was hard because the parents believed every word that the kids said and being trapped between the kids and the students and uh, happened a lot later in ministry because drugs entered into uh, the student ministry where I was serving and the kids wanted the fast cars and the drugs and, and the pleasure. And I was telling them that it, it, it wasn't godly. And I was trying to help their parents deal with it. And, and it just got, you know, it got to be more than, more than I could, I could fight. And so, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a long answer to, yes, you have to do both the fun and the big crowds and the discipleship, and, but God will send those kids and he'll stir their hearts and, and they'll come back wanting more, but you got to have that program that helps disciple them. And so I tried to do that through small group Bible studies in the home. Man, you're you're unpacking some things I haven't thought about in years. Yeah, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, you said. Yeah, you said. Yeah, you Sorry. haven't. You're, you're saying that you haven't. Um, you're un, uh, unpacking. I don't know if you're talking about me or, or what we what you were talking about uh, unpacking. Um, yeah, just what we're discussing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that's what happens when you step out of youth ministry. All right, we're, it's, it's just interesting to go, to go back and 
Yeah. Well, and, and I realized that, uh, that I had three kids and, uh, they, they were going to need a lot of my time and my wife was going to need some help raising them. So right. now, right now in this moment, I have a 14, a 16 and an 18 year old living in my house. That's still crazy. To so me. <laughs> that's, I have, yeah, I have three teenagers in my house. My two boys are at Pine Cove this week at church camp. And, um, my daughter is with her mom and they went to Waco as a, on a senior oh, trip. So, yeah. Yeah. Nuts. No, you're, you're, you're home alone. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm supposed to be mowing the grass, but whatever. <laughs> Man, this is important. You tell, you tell them you're That's doing a podcast with your nephew. <laughs> I did. They're like, can we listen? Can we listen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, they can. Yeah. I mean, they subscribe, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They'll listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have it up tonight, but yeah, no, um, youth ministry is a weird thing. You know, I, I think myself, I, I went through, I went through a period of, I think being really kind of disappointed with how youth ministry mm-hmm. has been traditionally done in America. And I've, and, you know, specifically like the whole like program driven youth ministry where your youth ministry is based upon not real relationships. It's built on having fun and pizza parties and all that. Yeah. And, and then, and here's the thing. I grew up in that type of youth ministry and I think there are, God can do some great, and he has done great things through those type of youth ministries. So it's not like I'm saying any youth ministry that's like that, they're doing nothing well. I mean, I, I, right, I think right. that there, are, there are some good things and well-intentioned people, godly people doing those things. But at, at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm not Vody Bauckham. I'm not saying youth ministry is, is bad and we don't need to do it at all. But I went through a period kind of questioning that, actually. I went through a kind of a like, kind of cagey stage of like, man, youth ministry. I, I don't know if I'm down with youth ministry anymore. Like, it, yeah. I see nothing but bad things coming out of it. And it, you yeah. know, scripture doesn't talk about youth ministry, obviously, which, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. But today, though, like, you know, yeah. being at Gracie has been so awesome. Like, I've seen youth ministry being done well, I think. Um, and yeah. I'm not yeah. at all responsible for that. But I'm just kind of seeing how Gracie does their their ministry and, and just seeing that. And, and and that's really helped me, like, say, look, like, does is youth ministry in Scripture? No, it's not. But at the same time, uh, God uses youth ministry when it's done biblically and in a healthy way. Um, when it's done that way, it, God can bless churches and, and the, and the students through that, uh, especially when it's built on authentic relationships and just family yeah. community, yeah. um, having fun discussions that might, uh, consist of, you know, whatever n- things that don't matter or could talk, you know, you could have a lot of conversations centered on theology and scripture, but either way you're, you're having yeah. you're living life together. And that's what discipleship yeah. is really, um, but, you know, as you, student ministry, if you want to see good examples of student ministry, look at these high school football coaches or a high school basketball coach or a high school baseball coach. I'm learning that with my own kids. Those guys have a they have a common theme. They have a belief system. They have a, a goal in mind and they work together to form discipline and and to achieve that goal. And uh the coach, for the most part, has the interest of the kid in heart, and the kid knows that the coach has something that he needs. And so 
when you build student ministry off of that basis, um, I think it could be done well, regardless of the size of the church you're in. I, you know, I grew up in a small church and I've been to the mega churches. And like you said, it's relational. And as long as you keep it on that relational basis, uh, it doesn't matter where you do it. You can do it right. But you can lose your focus. And a lot of times the student minister gets down, he gets beat up, he gets depressed or he gets in in his feelings or he gets, you know, ego driven and he wants numbers or he's not getting numbers and the pastor's being hard on him. And instead of saying, hey, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul, what can I learn? The student pastor gets mad and jumps ship and takes off and, right. or, or some families get mad at him. And, and instead of weathering the storm you know, and building that relationship, he gets mad and leaves. And I was guilty of doing that. I'd get my feelings hurt and, and, and leave, you know, but that, that didn't do me any good. It didn't do the kids any good. Right. Um, you know, some of the greatest students I, and I'm still connected to them were students where we just sat around and, and we didn't do a whole lot of stuff. We just got to know each other. And I do, yeah. I've done weddings of those guys. You know, they yeah. weren't, they don't remember the programs or the places we went. They just remember the fact that I loved them. And yeah, uh, that's what people need. They just need you to love them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so important. I mean, in ministry in general, but uh, I mean, just being a Christian, you know, being yeah. a Christian yeah. caller that is yeah. uh, living life and, and trying to minister to people just, yeah. Sometimes we just want to know that, you know, Hey, you, you care about them. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and that'll open up a lot of doors. Love, sure you, you know, the two, love God, love people. That's that's what we're supposed to do. Right. That's it. That's right. it. And on the flip side of that, you know, thinking of, and this is just not even just youth ministry. I think ministry as a whole, it it seems like for some reason we've we've said, okay, so relationships are important, or. I think a lot of people say that, but they don't practice it. But you know, in general, though, we we look at ministry as okay, it's relational dri- driven and, and all that. But then we we kind of forget about what that relationship is based on, and mm. that relationship is based on Christ. And mm-hmm. when you're talking about loving God, loving Jesus. I mean, a lot of that has to do with theology. Like, what do you know about God? I think of J.I. Packer's Knowing God. I don't know if you ever read that book Mm-mm. no uh-uh. it's a very good book so it's kind of like he, he i think he wrote that i think it's like the 70s or something sometime yeah that. but one of my favorite um like christian books theology books whatever you want to call it and just it talks about he talked packer just talks a lot about what it means to know god and of course we are to love god with our heart too like our heart's not disconnected from that but our knowledge mm. of God is grounded in scripture, of course, and, and truth, mm-hmm. and it's connected yeah. directly in our heart. So from our mind and how we know God, from that, we begin to love him more based on that knowledge. And I don't know, it seems like a lot of, especially my generation, my age folks, and but in general, most of society, we kind of like, we kind of almost... Um, we want to ignore theology. We don't think that's important. We think that's for the the professors, that's for the pastors to talk about. But when we do mm. that, we're kind of, I feel like we're, we're, we're almost um, not only offending God, but we're, we're kind of hurting our, the people around us, like the people that, that whether we're just 
laymen, laywomen or whatever, or yeah. pastors, we're just kind of hurting them in their walk. When we simply say, I mean, theology is good, but don't worry about that. Leave that to me. Like, and I, I feel yeah. like, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe I can now form a question around that. You know, what, how, did you see that? Did you see maybe a lack of a, of emphasis on theology or, or did you, maybe you've had a different experience than I have. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, I don't what do you think, think people understand? I don't think they understand how to articulate their theology. Right. I don't think they, they know how to speak their theology. And so they, they shy away from theological conversations. Uh, but if you listen to um, those guys, when they're talking one-on-one and, in a deep moment, I mean, theology comes out. But when you call it theology, when you box it in and call it theology, then it's like, oh, no, I don't know how to do that. But if you watch these guys, you know, especially a lot of these people in a small church, if you need a ham, they're going to be there. If you need a meal, they're going to cook it. If your uh, family is, is struggling, they're going to be there with you. If your family is celebrating, they're going to be there with you. And, and that's, that's ministry. That's theology. That's loving people because, because you love God, love God, love people. So I think sometimes people shy away from the, they'll them. Um, and I, I know I, I see that, you know, in work, at work now, people, you know, will talk ministry or talk about, they'll talk around God, but they won't talk about God. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. Um, yeah. So you're, you're simply, you know, you're saying that, that in the church, a lot of ways, like people are, are talking about theology. They're just, they don't know how to talk about it. Well, they don't know how to, art- how, yeah. They don't know how to box it in and articulate it. Right. You know, uh, but you look at some of these country boys, these country rednecks that live around here, you know, um, they go to these small churches. If you're stuck, if you get your truck stuck, I mean, they're, they're going to come pull you out. If, if, you know, you're having a baby, they're going to cook you a meal. You know, if, if your kid's struggling, they'll be the first one to say, Hey, let me, I, I've known him since he was a kid. I'll talk to him. You know, uh, there's a lot of theology in that. They just may not understand. But you know, when you get to the, when you get to heaven, God's not going to talk, you know, you're not going to be asked, what theology did you ascribe to? It's going to be all about the cross and what Christ did on the cross. And so, I mean, I like to have a good discussion about theology, but it's a lot of times people just don't know how to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I understand what you're saying for sure. I mean, I think, I, I, I think I agree with you actually. I mean, that people don't know how to talk. And I think that's the thing. I'm, I think when you're talking about the cross, you're talking about theology when you're talking That's about right. Jesus, when you're talking about Jesus being fully God and fully man. Uh, when you're talking yeah. about the hypostatic union, the Trinity, about uh, the relationship between the Father and the Son. Um, I mean, the virgin yeah. birth, whatever it is, like you're talking about theology, and That's you're right. doing it because you love God, and you also you're doing mm. it because you love people, and so mm-hmm. and that leads into those those moments where you because you love and know, you know, God, you love him. You now love his people and you love his That's image right. bearers. And now you want to do things for them and help them 
when they need that help. And, and so I think the danger can be, you know, you emphasize so much theology, just thinking and, 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 and considering things and not doing anything about it. You know, that's the other danger is, you know, going the opposite end, like, yeah. oh, all we need to do is just think about God and think about who he is. Um, and, and yeah. everything else will take care of itself. Well, no, that's not true either. You know, no. like we're called to do things yeah. for others. To, to well, and when you love God, he's going to make you love others. He's going to put a passion in your heart right. for other people. And, and your, your compassion, your passion, your whatever for other people is going to be there because you love the people that he loves. I mean, it's like with kids. A lot of times my kids fight. And one of the questions is that I ask is, do you love me? Well, yeah. Do you love the people that I love? Well, yeah. Well, then love your sister. Because I love your sister and, and take care of your sister or your brother because I love your sister or your brother. And that's that's what Christ says. You know, if you love me, then you're going to love my people. And so right. we're, we love the church, not that we're called to, to act. I mean, not that we're. We're called to be doers of the word and not just hearers. Right. And when we cook that meal or we sit at that bedside or we you know, minister to those, those folks and whatever need it is, that's showing love, you know? Uh, so, I mean, I think that there's, you love people because for God so loved the world because he loved them mm -hmm. and, and we love him. So we love his people, you know, and then we do things for his people and it just comes out naturally. Yeah. It, it can't, I don't think it can be manufactured. Sure. You know, yeah. I think then you get into works and then you get into, you know, being disappointed because you're doing things because you want to be seen or you need the applause of man. And yeah. when you don't get it, sure. then you get distraught and then you leave the church because you got your feelings hurt. You know, if right. it's about you, it's going to it's not going to work. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think I think that's good. I mean, that's very pharisaical to, you know, to, you're doing things for the um to be seen, you know, you're loving other people simply to get the applause and, and, and that's a yeah. very, Jesus very much condemned that in the gospels. Um, so, yeah, I remember no, I, when I got out of, when I got out of the student ministry, man, I thought, I always thought that the day I was finished, there was going to be this big celebration and ticker kids that I had ministered to. The last day I, you know, was on staff at a church. When the service was over, it was like I had run the race. And when I got to the end of the race, I didn't cross any finish line. I did nothing. And there was my wife and kids like, hey, where, where are we going to lunch? And I'm like, is this it? All these years that I've served, is this all it boils down to? And it took me a while. But what I realized was it was all about me in my eyes. And, and as long as I was self-centered, I was going to be hurt. But when yeah. I became, when I gave it back to him and, and, you know, the things that I did were for him, you know, I may not know the results of conversations that I had with kids at camp in this life. I may not know that, right. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. When you're, when you're looking for results and that's all you're looking for, you're probably, you're doing that because you want to be praised you want to be celebrated. Yeah. And so 
you get disappointed when you don't see those results. But and the For reality sure. is, you're you're not going to see them. And I, I've been told that so many times. I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like when I was at, at the previous church I was serving at, you know, I was. I was kind of that same way. I was, I was really wanting to see results. Like I wanted to see numbers. I wanted to see God work and, and be able to see that. And I realized I, I I'm not going to see it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but fortunately yeah. I've heard since then, you know, I've heard people say, you know, Jared, our, you know, what you said here is, was really impactful for me and it helped yeah. me so much. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. well, so, and, and truthfully, truthfully, I think God sometimes keeps those moments from us because we're not big enough to handle them. Right. Right. I mean, we're not it, it, because it goes to our head. Yeah. It feels yeah. Our ego and that's the last thing that needs to happen. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, after student ministry, you transition into nursing home. I won't say nursing home <laughs> ministry, but nursing home administration, running a nursing home, doing all that. And, and along with that, you're, you know, you got to watch yeah. your kids. What's that? I'm One sorry, it broke out. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, it- so you, you, you stepped out of student ministry and then you, you know, started doing more nursing home uh, work and, and you start running the nursing home there. And essentially you began, you began raising kids more. I mean, that, that was more of your focus, I assume, uh, because, you yeah. know, during youth ministry, you were so busy with, with other things, um, there, but, but how was that way transitioning, um, as a father in youth ministry to a father in this secular workforce, quote unquote, like, what was that like for you? Well, you know, when I was when I was on staff at Sunday mornings, I, I could never understand why my wife got to church mad. You know, after getting three kids, three babies up and getting them together and getting them dressed and getting them to church, every time she showed up, she was just frustrated. And right. but I never could understand that because I was never at home on Sunday mornings and, and prior to church uh, to help her. I was always at church getting ready for the event. And so the pastor that I was working with uh, just really wanted me to be more focused on the church. And he even told me that I could spend time with my family in the scope of the ministry. Well, I realized that this probably my first calling was to my family. Uh, right. So when I transitioned out of that, the first Sunday that uh, we got up and went to church together, uh, I mean, I was like, I, I get it. I understand. I understand. I understand how hard this is to get these kids together to get these kids ready to get them to church and put a smile on your face. I understand. And so that was really a good um, bridge to walk across to, to understand what she was going through. And so, you know, I, I stopped doing student ministry because I wanted to be with my kids, knowing that I had my own students. And so when I got into the secular, secular world, uh, it just gave me a chance to be with my church, my, my family in church to sit with my family on Sunday mornings, to sit with, with my wife and to be focused on them and, and to go to uh, church together. Um, you know, and so that was, that was real good. I, I wanted to, to be there with them to help watch them grow up in the church. And, and so the other thing that it did is it, it gave me a, you know, 
working in student ministry, I couldn't afford three kids and a wife. But working, you know, in the uh, nursing home business, you know, I could finally afford the three kids that I had. And so that was a huge, not that money is everything, but money is some things, you know, and I needed to be able to put food on the table. And so I could go to their different events and stuff. So it was, for me, it was really good. You know, I don't know if that, if that, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And so, you know, now you're, all your kids are teenagers, which again, still amazes me. Um, Yeah. One graduated from high school at my alma mater, West Pine High School. I was at the graduation. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. It rained, but your name, you know, your name's still enshrined in the halls of Rosepine High School, you know, I'm a you know legend. go in there, go in there and see your name. Yeah. Jared Palsy, AKA Bleachy. You know? um, hey, listen, <laughs> Worth, do not know about that name. We're going to keep, they don't, keep they don't. So you don't want me to tell them, you don't want me to say it. Okay. I won't. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll forget it. Hopefully they'll forget it. But, uh, That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. No, but uh, so, I mean, just raising kids, I know is, I'm sure it's easier said than done, of course, a lot of challenges, because I mean, they're teenagers, they're, they're kids and they're teenagers, they're, they don't know who they are yet. They don't know what life is about, right. and even spiritually. But they, they think know. they do. Yeah, and that's another thing, they think they know. <laughs> yeah, they think they know everything. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and mine haven't gotten to that point where they come back and say, you know what, Dad, I didn't know anything. But they will. They will. Yeah. But, you know, you raise kids, you raise teenagers when they're babies. You can't get a 14-year-old as a 14-year-old and expect him to do great and to go through his teenage years successfully if you didn't do the building, if you didn't lay the foundation prior to him getting to that point they don't get to be a teenager and then become disciplined they don't get to be a become respectful they don't get to be a teenager and then become you know um not slobs you have to teach them those things uh when they're young and when they get to be a teenager they will they will make the right decisions i have you know my 17 year old or my 18 year old who just graduated from high school she's a great kid she makes good decisions She's not fooled us. You know, she has been disciplined in her academics, disciplined in her, her work. She's about to attend Louisiana Tech as a freshman. And, and we're just real proud of where she's been. But her mom, and I have to give her mom credit, her mom has poured and poured and poured into her. And, right. uh, you know, uh, loved on her when she, is, when she made good decisions and, and when she made bad decisions and wasn't afraid to correct her and wasn't afraid to stand by her and even – even helped me understand her more. So, you know, uh, she's a, a great kid, but it's because she had somebody that believed in her. And I obviously I was a big part of her life, but man, I look at her mom and go, man, great job, mom. Great job. And, and then with my boys, you know, she's very involved with my boys too, but my, you know, boys are an interesting breed, you know, yeah. um, you just have to kind of, they're a lot sloppier. They're a lot less detail oriented. They stink a lot more. They eat a lot more. They, uh, they're messy. Uh, but you know, it takes a different, it takes a, you know, 
a different handle on them. You still, my, my middle son is 6'4", 220 pounds. He's much of a man, but he right. still thinks that I can hurt him, you know, and you got to keep that in there. You got to keep that bluff in on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is 6'4". He's the tallest person in our family. He's massive. Yeah. And then the youngest one, he thinks he is, uh, he thinks he's the stuff. And so we're, we all have to help raise him, but he's good too. That's good. Yeah. yeah I, know, I mean, they're, they're really into sports. I know that's a big thing, like traveling baseball. I know that's a big deal. I, I see on their Instagram all the time, them posting pictures of themselves. I'm like, man, how are y'all getting all these pictures of you playing? It's like, and when I was in school, like they, no one took pictures of us. <laughs> yeah. Cell phones have done an interesting work to kids' egos because they can go back and watch and and look at pictures and videos and you know it's yeah they they play a lot of sports and um you know it but the, you know the thing about sports is it was always good because it put good other people in their lives to challenge them right. and you know that 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 was a good thing man they they had a coach named Tony Marino and and Tony was. He coached me when I was uh, in the ninth grade, and, and he lived down the street from us. And then he coached them growing up. And, and Tony was just—he's just been so instrumental in their lives. So you know, sports puts good men in their lives. And now, like right now, the the head baseball coach at Rosepine and the head football coach at Rosepine, the little school we go to, man, they they pour into my kids. You know, it's um, and they believe in their process, and you know, it's just good. Anyway. Good deal, yeah. So um, before we, we close up, it's been about an hour. I told you about an hour um, would, be, mm-hmm. would be ideal. But, um, I mean, we can uh, – anything else you want to say? I mean, do you want to uh, – any any other parenting advice you want to, to give our <laughs> listeners? Um, I mean, hey, I'm not a parent yet, but I will be one day, Lord willing. So any, any yeah. advice um, you have would be, would be good. You know, just trust the process. Just trust the process. And, right. and I learned a long time ago that they want a lot more of you than what you can buy them. They want you. And, uh, you know, my daughter acts like it drives her crazy, but I go in her room at night and just, you know, tickle her even at 18, you know, I'm just messing with her and irritating her, but, you know, go in there and hug her and, and love on her. I've always told her four things at night. I, I love you. I'm proud of you. I think you're beautiful. And I'm glad you're my girl. And, uh, so, you know, just, just trust the process. You, you, you are enough for your kids. You are enough for your kids. And, and it's amazing because kids think their parents are heroes and that's what you are. Just trust, but just trust the process. It's okay. It's going to work out. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, man, it, uh, I know it, it, it seems like it's been, a you know, See, I don't know when that was, you know, I think it was uh, 2007 or eight, actually 2009. I was, I don't know if you remember this, um, you were doing, doing youth ministry and I remember visiting you and Aunt Christy and the kids around, I think it was around February at right out. It was right when my grandmother passed away, Irene. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. yeah. I think I think Mimi brought me and Laura over there uh, to, to Houston. I remember, 
the conversation yeah. we had, I think I, I remember it very clearly. Um, uh, I think we went to a church event you had, we did something with you and then me and you just hung out mm-hmm. and talked. I just remember you, you just gave an encouraging uh, talk to me and it was just, it was great. And I just, you know, looking back at that, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just your nephew, but I can only imagine the the wisdom that you gave your kids. And I think looking back on that, um, you know, on, on how you've raised your kids, it's, it's um, even though I haven't been able to be there to see it firsthand as much as I would like, I mean, I'll, I'm all the way over here in Fort Worth, but yeah, you know, you're just, doing your thing. It's, it's awesome to see that. Uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, you just trust what the Lord is doing in them and, you know, do what you can to be faithful, a faithful husband, yeah. a faithful father and yeah. love them, reassure them of who they are in Christ. Um, yeah. And, and allow the Lord to, I mean, ultimately they're his, not yours, but right. 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 You, you That's know. right. And, um, you know, I just, I realized this year, I realized this year because I asked my middle son, I started talking to him about some different life experiences and I, and he started quoting things that had been told to him in his younger days by me and by some other folks. And I realized that they are listening. Mm, yeah. You may not think they are, they may not act like it, but they are listening. Right. And so when you can give them you and you can give them those conversations, they, they, it, it does. It, some, it may rattle around in there a little bit, but it yeah. ends up sticking and they, right. they, you, they are able to pull it out of the vault at some point and use what, what you've told them. Uh, right. But man, I, I'm glad you and I had a lot of good conversations. We had a lot of fun. I mean, we still yep. do. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of <laughs> interesting encounters and, um, you, know, <laughs> you remember the apple playing catch oh, with yeah. the apple? Of course. I've told, I've told that story to, I don't know how many people in a, in to, to, you know, I mean, how many times I've, we've talked about it. I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. That was awesome. That was yeah, awesome. Well, what wasn't you, awesome at the time. And, and I look yeah. at my kids and now I, I'm thinking that, you know, what y'all could have done to my kids to get back at me for what I did to you. And you and you didn't, and that's I appreciate that. Me. But I'm not. That's not in Oof. me. I mean, it's definitely not in LR either. I, I mean, neither one of us are like that. I mean, like you know, <laughs> I'm a little more sensitive than you are. I think uh, in in a lot of ways. I, I, but I did but, it because I loved you, and I and I exactly. I wanted I wanted the best for you, and I I wanted right. to play with you. I wanted to be in your life, and right. I wanted to you know put my spin on you and, you know, be an uncle. And I always wanted you to talk about me as that crazy uncle, you know? Yeah. I uh, still do. Still so, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the Apple story, yeah. you gotta tell it. And I mean, people listening are like, what in the world are you talking about? We're over it at uh, your, we're at your parents' house in Longville. My grandparents yeah. have this two story brick really. I mean, I look back at that house, like, every time I pass it, I'm like, aesthetically, it's, it's amazing. It really oh, is. Oh man. The way it's it crazy. looks, I'm like, man. you know, in that the whole yard, it used to be like beautiful, like crazy, yeah. beautiful, like the land. Yeah. Big azaleas, big magnolias, big pine I, trees. Beautiful. Like 
like man that was some, that was a beautiful property but then they they bulldozed, bulldozed mm. all that to to make room for yeah. that 171 but but we're there yeah. we're in the we're in the first story bathroom guest bathroom and um i i think we were just like throwing the this apple this like i don't know what it's made out of like um i forgot the well we were out in the yard and we 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 didn't have a ball we wanted a ball and we didn't have a ball to play catch with so we just picked up the apple and we started throwing the apple back and forth and as we threw the apple back and forth the more we would catch it the softer it would get and then it started to break apart and then we started throwing it at each other hard and you (laughs) threw it at me and hit me in the chest and i told you i said don't throw that at me don't throw that at me and you you reared back and hit me in the chest, and that apple exploded on me, and it got all over my shirt. It got in my mouth, and then you took off running inside. And I mean, you were what 16, 17 years old when this happened. I'm just kidding. I'm just no, kidding. No, <laughs> no you, you were a, you were just a little guy, and you ran yeah. through the living room, through the kitchen, into the formal dining room, and you hid under the formal dining table that my parents had. Well, I found you in there and I grabbed you by the foot and I started pulling you back into the kitchen. Well, when I got you to the kitchen, your shirt came up and you bounced against that linoleum floor a couple of times and it, and, and it, uh, on your back. And it wasn't long before you started saying, Hey, something's not right with my, with my back. And, all of a sudden, man, this massive strawberry, I had given you a linoleum burn on your, on your shoulder, this massive strawberry came up and, and I thought, Oh, your, your dad's going to kill me. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Your dad, Mike is going to be so mad. And I didn't mean to do it. Yeah. And we were having fun. But yeah, the apple story when you got that, and I think it left us probably left a scar on your shoulder. Uh, I don't know if you can see your shoulder very much, but yeah, it was not a good, it was not a not the finest moment. <laughs> but it's memorable, at least. Hey, I mean, you, oh you know, man, it's memorable. Yeah, um, it was fun. I mean, it was fun. Yeah, I remember several stories like that. We can go on. Um, yeah. Just, <laughs> The Grand Christmas Tree Farm story where you shoved me into the Christmas tree, uh, grabbed my belt loop thing and kind of just shoved me into the Christmas tree. And uh, I got back out of that thing and I'm covered. I look like, I don't know what I look like, but I was itching all over my face and body. I didn't, I didn't realize that was as, as bad as it was until later. I mean, I was just, I was just. Can you imagine being my son? I mean, I, the things that I did to you, you know, I, I've been pretty hard on my boys. Now Luke is 6'4", and, and I mean, ain't no pushing him around. He's slapping on me, you know. Right. And they've, all, they've always told me when he gets big and he's going to get big, he's going to take you out. And I'm like, oh, man, this is not going to be good. But yeah. I, I can still take him. Yeah, there you go. Well, Thank you for coming on the podcast and being a guest. Yeah, man, it was fun. Usually I don't have I mean, these kind of conversations on here. Like that's so like kind of uh, just carefree and not, not carefree, but just like kind of more, uh, I, I typically talk a lot of heavy theological conversations. I mean, like last, last week I talked about critical race theory, which is, Oh my uh, gosh. And that was a yeah. good conversation. It was, it was very good. I had a guest on Josh Dawes, 
So if you haven't listened oh, to yeah. it, go ahead and listen to it. Yeah, um, yeah. You, yourself, you know. Um, yeah. And then I, I think next week we're going to have – I'm not sure exactly who I'm going to have on next week. I, I have an idea, though, with a few lined up. Um, maybe one about Baptist history. So I'm, I'm excited about mm. that. I love history. So, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Movie. So – but um, yeah, thank you. Well, this for is just like here. a conversation. This is like a conversation you and I would have if we were talking on the phone, man. And I would yeah. end it by telling you, I love you, man. I'm proud of you. I think y'all are doing a great job. I think you and uh, your lovely bride are paving your way, you know, yeah. and uh, good things are in store for y'all. I remember when Christy and I were y'all's age, just kind of riding our journey, you know, and being somewhat impatient about the journey, but now looking back after 22 years going, you know, things happen at the right time because we, you know, God was in control and, uh, man, I would just encourage you with that. He's, he's, he's developing you into who he wants you to be through the process. And, you know, I just believe in processes, just trust the process. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Definitely. I appreciate it. Love you too. And, uh, you know, yeah, man. Appreciate you and what you've done for, for uh, me and Amy and, and our whole family and mom and dad and Aunt Laura. Um, I know you see that. I'm usually the one that when things get serious, I'm like, ah, oh, we need a joke right here, you know, but <laughs> yeah. you, you, you know, if you need something, I, right. I'm the one you can come to and, and I'm going to be honest with you and you can be real with me. And, you know, I think people need honesty, you know, yeah, I think they need honesty and re- being real. I agree. Anyway, cool deal. Well, all right, uh, bro. Yeah. Well, let me uh, okay. let me. I'm gonna close out the podcast here here uh, to the to the listeners. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, hope you guys have a wonderful week. Um, pray that everyone is safe and uh, come back next week for uh, whatever episode, whatever topic we'll be having there. So uh, hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless. Mm-hmm.